0: to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have already learned something super cool from today's guest. Dan Moore, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I'm super excited, guys. Dan just gave me this awesome software tip. Uh, So he's a programmer since the age of eight. Yeah, don't worry, we're going to find out more about that. And a Georgia Tech graduate. He's a trained computer scientist who meticulously crafts ideas into scalable products well written. Always one for overcommunication and compulsive attention to detail. He coordinates Vaporware's relationships with clients and partners, leads all product management, and still contributes quite a bit of code and design. After brief stints in enterprise and mid-market data center service providers, Dan co-founded Vaporware to help entrepreneurs take their software ideas to market. Over the past six years, he's helped Vaporware deliver thousands of iterations across dozens of apps in four main industries. I love, okay, I have an obsession with statistics and the marketing and psychology of how they're presented. That, guys, all of you, that was genius. You realize that thousands of iterations across dozens of apps. It just makes it sound so much more. Um, in the four main industries. It's
1: it's not it's not really that impressive, but yes. No, but it, it sounds good. Sound
0: so cool. That's what I mean. Like yeah. it's the way you it's the way you phrase it, it's the numbers you choose, you know? And it doesn't make it any less true, but it's how it's said, right? If you had said that same sentence over the past six years, Dan's worked in the four main industries on dozens of apps, thousands of iterations. It doesn't sound as cool. That's marketing, but we'll get there. All right. (laughs) With a strong belief that anyone can become the next big software as a service company, he leads Vaporware in helping business founders pivot their business through process automation, technical modernization, and software innovation. You guys know that this is going to be an epic conversation. Dan, you and I are going to have so much fun. Something you probably do not know about me is that I was a CIO for six and a half years before I started doing this. So I speak geek- I do database architecture. I read and I I don't write code. I don't write raw code, but I will read and edit code and I do understand it. Um, perfect. and I do systems admin, like this is this is my jam, but I I'm a marketer. It's just that I don't know. It's just who I am.
1: <laughs> so very I, very different sides of the brain. So that's all very awesome.
0: different. I know. I think they forgot to cut the cord in mine. I'm left and right brained. <laughs> it's very that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, like on the way out, like they cut the umbilical, they just, they forgot to cut the cord that separates them. So I, I get to use both. It was nice.
1: We, we call them T-shaped people. It's it's like you have a, a large diversity, but you have specialties in one or two in like main areas, but you have this huge diversity up at the top of just like different things. And that's, it's rare. It's yeah, very rare.
0: Well, cool. I kind of like that. I was called a banana today. I think I'm going to go with preferably.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know how a banana-shaped person fits in, but...
0: I guess, like, body types, like, there's pears and apples, so someone called me a banana today. Crazy. tall <laughs> and slim, which you guys can't see on the recording. But I was like, I'm not sure if that's a compliment, but I'll just roll with it.
1: Very nice.
0: Okay, so tell me about this coding from the age of eight.
1: Yeah, so... Um, I started out uh, playing video games, being kind of an introvert uh, before I really found myself and who I wanted to be as a young child, as I'm sure a lot of people go through. Um, And my mom was a computer programmer, did some contracting work for companies like NASA and um, uh, Florida governments and stuff like that where I was born. And so I was surrounded by computers like way before the internet, um, just had this great opportunity and access and... Really fell in love with like some really uh, basic video games on the computer, like back in the DOS era and um, with uh, Sim Tower, I think was a big one. And, and I just started playing around with them, hacking them a little bit and seeing what I can do because I got bored like with the mechanics of the game. And so uh, that's when I really started programming and realized that I could tell computers what to do and they just do it. Like they don't care that I'm a child, uh, so.
0: First time I ever coded anything, was, okay, it was a really long time ago. It was in C basic, Q basic, sorry, I don't remember what it's called anymore. It was in Q basic. And yeah. I created this clown out of like all the different like asterisk, dollar signs, numerical symbols. Yeah. And then I hit run and it made the clown. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And yeah. then I realized if you put run into the program, it keeps making them over and over and over again. And that's it, I was hooked. Yeah. Like, naturally bossy I was like this thing obeys immediately and completely I cannot Mm -hmm. imagine anything better
1: yeah and it's it's it was that combination of like just it it listens to instructions I can tell it what to do it's doing stuff and like this creative outlet I think at the same time and it was I was breaking more things than actually like creating I guess but it was uh like I tore apart computers and printers and all this like old technology and just really found a, a strong outlet in that. It was a it was a great activity. And then later on, like I found all like the the benefits of that, of course. Like, yeah, it leads to a great uh, career in industry and all sorts of other stuff. But where it really started was just like curiosity of figuring stuff out, so.
0: I love that. And you went to Georgia Tech, majored in yeah. computer science.
1: Yeah, so I never really figured out that anything else was available to me until college. Um, And so my parents were like you need to go to a a liberal arts school and Georgia Tech is more of an engineering school but still had like the basic like government US history type classes that you had to take um, uh, for an undergrad degree but what was really cool about Georgia Tech was that they just slammed a ton of smart people together Uh, and uh, I like fell in love with school I hated school before college but uh, in college I like just fell in love with learning new things and uh, probably should have stayed there a lot longer than four years, but being an out-of-state student and like all this other stuff, it was just uh, my parents were like, nope, you get four years. That's all you get. Good luck. <laughs> so I, longer um, for.
0: I don't know. I did my four-year degree. I did not feel like I needed more time.
1: <laughs> I so So I would say that the more time would have been really cool from trying different things. Like... Uh, they have a world-class aerospace engineering program, and um, I got an opportunity to work in a lab, like uh, my second to last semester there, working on some flight software for a nano satellite for the Navy or something like that, like something okay, absolutely that is, crazy. That
0: is, yeah. On, um, then I'm with you. Then I would and so,
1: yes, yeah, so it was just like access to those opportunities and those awesome people and the connections that I made. Um I still, ha- I still didn't figure out like my own company and business and all that stuff. That came several years after college. Um, so what did you
0: do in between? You graduated, which, and you could have stayed. So
1: yep, was exactly.
0: The company. What, was, what was the stopgap?
1: Uh, so the stopgap was Cisco Systems, a networking company based out of San Francisco, where they get their name. Um, and I was working on, they had a really cool program, which is why I joined Cisco it.
0: Cisco Systems is called Cisco because it's based out of San Francisco?
1: Yeah, and their logo is the bridge.
0: I never put that. That is the second mind-blowing thing you've taught me today already. Oh my gosh, I haven't said to be obsessed with learning new things. Um, I never realized that.
1: (laughs) I don't think they make it obvious, but... It, they were like one of the original San Francisco, um, like back when Oracle and stuff were getting started yeah. and Apple. Now,
0: I'm very familiar with that. Cisco systems. I just yeah. never realized that's what the name was. Now I'll never forget it, right? Because it's so obvious.
1: I think it was because they were technical people and not marketing people. They were like, yeah, this is. We're this in San, San Francisco.
0: Cool. Let's call it Cisco. That's cute. It's shorter.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like
0: San Fran or Cisco? Oh, the San Fran is a little bit noise. No, I, nah, let's just do Cisco. I love too it.
1: Too <laughs> so, like that was a huge enterprise, totally different than college. Uh, I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, the Triangle Region, which is a great place to raise a family, uh, but it was not Georgia Tech. It was uh, um, Atlanta is significantly bigger than Raleigh, North Carolina. We have great schools nearby, but I wasn't in those communities. I was in like this middle ground area called the Research Triangle Park. and uh, it was like, in Cisco all the time and the energy just wasn't there for me. Like I was not motivated uh, by the organization around me. Uh, The projects that I was working on were really interesting. Like the reason I joined Cisco was because they gave me a job offer like six months before anyone else was even interviewing. And Mm -hmm. their offer was basically you can sign up for Cisco and get a paycheck and then spend your first month interviewing around all the different teams and you get to choose where to work for your first year inside of this corporation. Really cool program. Hadn't seen anything else like that. Like, yeah, I want to interview my own boss and choose where I work. Um, and all these, all these people that you were interviewing wanted to hire you because they were smart enough that said, yeah, people right out of school don't know what they're doing. They need some time to ramp up. And so they basically gave twice your salary to the business unit that you uh, chose to basically say, we're sorry, you have to train this person kind of thing. Um, and that was just an amazing opportunity, really well structured
0: um a genius strategy
1: yeah I like
0: love that. It's, it's a win for everybody it's so novel i've actually never heard of that before, but I love everything about it. you get to win because you get to choose they want you because they get rewarded for taking you. it's genius
1: and like new ideas and and all different business units buy into the program and I think one of the reasons I didn't like it is because I actually went outside that program and found a business unit that wasn't part of it and said I want to work for you instead (laughs) Um, and they they said yes and they took me but they were like we don't know what this choice program is we don't really have like a mentor that can follow you around or anything like that and so it was very haphazard kind of set up but The reason I chose it, and this was an early mistake in my career, was I chose it for the technologies that I was going to be working on, like very tech-focused, and what I should have chose it for was the people I worked with, like the energy and the the management, the work style matters a hundred times more, at least to me personally, than the specific technology that I would be working on. So
0: just out of curiosity was, the, are you tell me what the technology was? Like, I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, well, so most of the roles through this program were just like really low level, uh, C networking engineer roles. And I realized okay. that after college, I didn't want to do that. And so What's a C I found, networking
0: engineer? I don't know what that is.
1: Oh, sorry. See the programming language doing like uh... low level code that says this router can uh, be 10 times faster and move someone's bottom line on like, if you use this one product, then you'll have better networking experiences than other networking products and stuff like that. And yeah, so that
0: sounds like brain numbing.
1: Yeah. Like I could, I could see how some really technical people are interested in like advancing and they have some really intelligent people with incredible patents and uh, like, it, it, um, distinguished engineers on their staff that you can learn from and stuff like that. But I wasn't interested in moving forward, computer science, like a bit at a time. Uh, I was interested in like bigger business problems and like getting closer to customers. So. I found a group that was a data center architecture group and they basically plugged all of Cisco's products together and said, this is how customers like Facebook and Apple should use our products. That
0: sounds Awesome.
1: That to me was, it was just like, well, yeah, that's so much more valuable than how do we improve this product a little tiny bit. So
0: I get it. Okay. So you did Cisco for a couple years.
1: Yep. And then joined a smaller company that was using Cisco products because I still felt so that that business unit inside of Cisco was, um, designing the architecture and then, um, This other company I joined was using that architecture. So it was a a step forward to uh, users of what I was producing before saying, okay, well, this is how it actually works, not just a design kind of thing. It's, this is reality. This is how you operate data centers and stuff like that. Um, And so I did that for three years. And during that, I think it was like within six months of joining that company, I had founded my own company and was already looking for like the next thing. And, uh, that's, that's where my entrepreneurship journey got started.
0: Okay. Cool. Why? Why did you decide to be an entrepreneur, right? In tech, as a programmer from a top tech university, you had it made, you could pick any job in the tech field forever and get really good money.
1: Um, so I'd like to think that were true, but, Uh, even with a really good degree, technical interviewing is pretty bad. I I look great on paper and I'm very good at getting an interview. But as soon as companies realize that I'm more of that generalist that we talked about kind of earlier of the T-shaped person instead of a specialist in programming and I didn't want to focus on just programming, tech companies didn't want that. So like okay. Microsoft, I interviewed with them.
0: only operates with tiny cogs in their wheel.
1: Exactly.
0: Oh, but you could be management.
1: So that would take, uh, at Cisco, that would take minimum six years. Right. To move from at where the I was. to I had a
0: cog in the wheel for a long time before they let you manage. Yep. Now I get that. And, I, and the truth is, you know, doing what I do, which is business consulting and helping businesses scale, you really can't scale any other way. That's just the truth right? The only way to scale is to get super specialists in each area because the generalists are always the founders and they can only hold a company up so long. And then as it grows, the only way for it to really grow is to plug in tons of super specialists where the generalist once was.
1: Exactly. And and that's it makes perfect sense and it's great for enterprises and scaling, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be that generalist. I wanted to be that founder. Um, so Let me, let me correct that. I did not want to be a business founder. I never wanted to run a business. It was my opportunity to get away from my previous job and to not have to convince someone else that I was the right fit to their organization and find it. I had the opportunity where I wasn't pushing that hard at work. I wasn't being pushed that hard at work. And so I met with three other guys and we said, well, we have some ideas. Let's just start working on them. And I was like, well, maybe we should found a company just to put it under, just to give it a name. And that's where our name Vaporware comes from. Is we didn't have anything specifically. We weren't selling anything yet. It was just an idea and a placeholder, uh, and that we still use today. I
0: love it. How long is the company around for at this point?
1: Um, so that was back in 2013. Um, so seven years. But we came over full time in 2015 to do what we do today. Got it. So it took I mean, us two years.
0: Do do? To now, now we get to now. What does Deeperware actually do?
1: So we help companies take their ideas to market. Um, in the software B2B world is where we specialize. So um, that's software being sold to other businesses on a monthly, yearly uh, contract type basis, subscription. We're all yes.
0: software as a service.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, and... So in uh, 2013, we started building our own ideas. 2015, we met some other startup entrepreneurs in the region and basically said, you have better ideas, let's build those. And they were like, cool, I'll pay you this much money. And we were like, cool, that's a business model. It's called consulting or contracting. And so we started doing that. Um, We saved up enough money, did that with enough local startup people that we came over full-time in 2015 and just said, well we've been pretty good at this for two years. Let's just try it full-time and see how it goes. And um, if not, we'll go back and get full-time jobs and listen to other people and work for the man and all that kind of stuff. So um,
0: So you guys do the actual coding and build the actual software? Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. So that's where we started was just building software. Someone else's completely uh, idea, someone else's design even. Um, We then, within a year, we then added design to our offering and basically said, we don't want to build something that hasn't been designed by someone that we're, or something that we're proud of kind of thing. So we basically said, we know that we can do better. Let's get some people in here and help and offer that as a service. Um, and we combined that together and it's a core tenant of all of our services. And then we added what we call product management, which is building the right software. So we built a bunch of stuff that people didn't use. And we said, okay, that's a problem that we can solve. How do we solve that? And that's where I went back to some of um, my other roots, which was uh, product management, uh, and and really that was around 2016. Product management's been around for a while, but that's when it really started exploding as a career, and it's like one of the top paid jobs in Silicon Valley and all this other stuff. So um, it's uh, an entire practice and it's something that we offer as part of It's blended into all of our services about, um, how do you communicate with customers? How do you know what customers really want when they can't even tell you what they want? Um, and it's a mix of like the business viability, the usability and the feasibility of software.
0: Okay. So that was a lot of fancy words. And I always like to get into the head of my audience cause not all of them are, are as tech geeky as we are. Um, Basically, if I were to translate that into layperson speak, will this thing work? Will people use it? And what do we need to do to get people to want to use it when they don't even know what they want?
1: Yes. And that last one is, um, I I like to define that closer to, will they pay for it?
0: Right. And and then will they pay for it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of these softwares, Um, A lot of people work on ideas that are freemium because freemium is so cool. Guys, freemium starts out free and then can be migrated to premium where you pay money. Um, But they don't structure in a way that anyone would ever care to pay for premium.
1: Stay on free forever.
0: Exactly. Either the free is more than good enough or the free is annoying and so you never want to upgrade. Right, and that, that delicate balance of this is good, but I love that it could be better if I pay some money. Like that's hard. Zoom, for me, was one of the most, I've been using, like now Zoom is like a household word, like COVID turned Zoom into like a household term. Um, Let's Zoom, like that became a thing. I'm using Zoom, what, five years? Uh, (laughs) Like before it was anything, and I just, I heard about it, I don't know if it was from a friend or a colleague or something, and in those days, I think I was still using like Skype and Google Hangouts and all these like terrible things. Someone's like, try Zoom, and I'm like, okay. And then I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. It's so easy, it's so great oh, but if I have more than three people, my conversation's cut off after 45 minutes. Yes, I spent like two years or more like, okay, guys, sorry, hold on. I got to refresh, make a new room. And then I just felt like an idiot. At a certain point, I was like, you know what? I just, I want the freedom not to have to do that. And I want some of the other perks. But to create something that's good enough and and worth using at free, that has just the right limitations built in to get a large amount of people to want to upgrade, that's a lot of psychology. That's a lot of marketing, in my opinion.
1: So that's product management, I think, as well. Uh, yes, it is marketing for sure. <laughs> I,
0: mean, I could totally do product management. I know an expert.
1: Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's 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 this careful blend, and it's a depending on the company. So a lot of companies overuse that term, like all sorts of terms. Uh, they they change it to what they want. But um, in my opinion, like uh, the right product manager is both strategy of this is where we should head and getting all these other teams on the same page as, and, and kind of uh, a servant leader at the same time, where they're trying to help these other people be better at what they do. So they're trying to help marketing be better at what they do by bringing in the, um, business user, um, and, uh, development side to the marketing group. At the same time, they're trying to bring marketing closer into the development group. So it's like that office space guy who's like, I talk to people and I bring the people to the devs and the dev." I'm a people person. Like that's, that's okay, somewhat I it. what I mean, it that is.
0: That sounds like a great job for a generalist.
1: It is. <laughs> it is. I absolutely love it. Um, if I could give up my CEO role and just focus on that for clients, I would in a heartbeat.
0: Okay. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe, you do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with Esti Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle, what's yours?